The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Erica. What's up, Erica? Hi, Kerwin. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Nice, nice. Uh, what are you drinking today? Um, well, I'm a heathen, and I have two drinks. I have a Budweiser Freedom Reserve, which is disgusting, and a Bud Light. Uh, Budweiser, if you want to sponsor us in the future. Uh, Caesar DeMarco, I'm looking at you. Yeah, don't listen to her. <laughs> also joining us today is TJ. TJ, what's up, man? Hey, Kay. Uh, what are you drinking today? Uh, I am drinking Bud Light today. Okay, cool. Keeping it simple. Nice, nice. So today, we are reviewing Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Released November 16, 2018, produced by Warner Brothers and Heyday Films, and distributed by Warner Brothers. The movie stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterson, Dan Fogler, Allison Sudol, Ezra Miller, Zoe Kravitz, Callum Turner, Claudia Kim, William Natalem, Kevin Guthrie, Jude Law, and Johnny Depp. It's directed by David Yates, who directed the first Fantastic Beast movie as well as a couple other Harry Potter films, uh, including Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2, and the movie's written by J.K. Rowling, creator of the series. Shortly after being captured in New York, Grindelwald escapes custody en route to Europe and begins recruiting citizens of the magical realm to rise up against the impending conflict caused by the non-magical world's violence and ambitions. Newt is tasked with finding Credence, who survived the final battle in New York before the Ministry's horrors. Grindelwald or mysterious revenge-seeking Yusuf Kama can get to him. So uh, before we jump into a lot of the behind the scenes, TJ, why don't you hit us with the financials? So as of today, obviously it's a pretty new movie. It just came out recently. It has made worldwide $439.7 million. That's a budget of $200 million. So obviously they're already making money. To go into a little bit of detail with that, their opening weekend was actually the smallest opening weekend for any Wizarding World movie in the US and Canada. However, internationally it performed much better for the opening weekend than previous movies from the Wizarding World had performed. And their largest ever wizard debut in countries like Russia, Brazil, and Indonesia. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so overseas performing a lot better. Um, overall, here domestically and in Canada, we're down about 16% from where we were for the first film that came out. The first Fantastic Beast, right? Exactly. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Erica, uh, why don't you fill us in on uh, what the general consensus is for this movie? Um, so I Googled on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the tomato meter has Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald at 40%. The audience score is at 66%, which is pretty low for a Wizarding World movie. The Twitter universe, though, a lot of the Harry Potter nerds came out and are giving praise to the movie, but they are still sitting in this whole, like, there's plot holes and X, Y, Z that need to be explained. So I think that's why it was such a low audience score, maybe okay. 66. Yeah. So and I, maybe... I think the reviews kind of contributed to like a lower domestic showing than what we're used to. And I think that coupled with the fact that now there are going to be five movies in this particular series of Fantastic Beasts uh, also played a part because I don't know that people want to kind of get in and commit to another long series like this. Yeah. We have seen that Rotten Tomato scores and general reviewer scores have maybe affected films uh, in the past couple years, whereas the the review scores might have been so low that people just weren't interested in attending. We saw that with, I think, 
Justice League. We saw that with Last Jedi, how it didn't stay in theaters as long as Force Awakens. We saw that with Solo. So we're, we're kind of seeing the effect that access to early reviews of movies are having. And I think and I think you're right. This might have been the case for this film as well. It's, it's not a terrible film, but I do think review scores have maybe affected it. This is a complete side note, but do you think fire sticks and stuff like that, when people are able to access movies at home that they don't choose to go to the box office anymore? I definitely think it contributes to it. I don't think that having illegal access to films totally destroys it. But I do think that with the rising ticket prices, and this is what you would say is a family film. Yeah. But I think the Harry Potter franchise as a whole is, you know, geared towards people of all ages. So if you have a family, this is a movie you're probably going to take all two, three, four, five of your kids to, your spouse, your partner, whatever. So when you look at a film like this, you are going to spend a lot more going to the movies if you're taking a family. The other thing that I think probably contributes to the movie world in general, our movies are coming out on you know, on DVD, they're coming out to Netflix, they're coming out on demand a lot sooner than they used to. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, I could go see it in theaters, the reviews aren't really that great, or I could just wait. It's gonna be out on DVD in a month or two months. I'll just wait the two months and buy it or rent it and see it then. So jumping into behind the scenes, did some research on David Yates just to see what his filmography was. And apparently six of his last eight major films have all been Harry Potter movies. I I definitely felt like this movie was very similar to Fantastic Beasts, which is fine for continuity's sake, but I did feel like it was very similar to a couple of movies in the Harry Potter franchise that I had seen before. The other films he had done were... A 1998 film called the Trishborn Clement. It's a it's an English film, and he also did Legend of Tarzan that came out in 2016. Uh, as far as J.K. Rowling, she took on you know screenwriting duties for this entire new story within the Harry Potter franchise, writing all of these directly to screenplay um, as opposed to these being adapted from novels, uh, which is different. It's kind of noticeable in the film, but the plan on her end was to make this a five film series. Um, And it's been described that way from the beginning. So we're currently with Crimes of Grindelwald in the second of five in this series. Regarding casting, Jude Law, he's cast as Albus Dumbledore, um, somebody, you know, that I think a lot of people were interested in seeing in this series, especially, yeah, especially dealing with prequels. So he's cast as a younger Albus Dumbledore. Some other actors that were considered were uh, Christian Bale. Benedict, yeah, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. on that one. All right, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Mark Strong, and Jared Harris. Um, If anybody knows who Jared Harris is, he's actually the son of Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. That would have been cool. Yeah, if you need a reference on him, he's uh, he's one of the stars of Mad Men, I believe, in the earlier seasons. Uh, He played Lane Price, and he's also in the Netflix series The Crown. Um, So those were the guys considered for Dumbledore. Regarding Grindelwald, we did see uh, Colin Farrell play which character? Percival Graves. Percival Graves. So Colin Farrell played Graves, who was a cover for Grindelwald. And, you know, to to everybody's surprise, Johnny Depp showed up at the end of the last movie. I screamed. (laughs) Yeah, that that was definitely a twist. Yeah. So that was cool. I I thought it was just going to be like, oh, you're the bad guy. But they... I, I like the fact that they tossed in another actor, like a major actor as well. And it didn't turn out to be a cameo. Johnny Depp was actually cast as the villain for this series. So there was a lot of controversy surrounding Johnny Depp continuing to play this character. There were domestic violence allegations regarding him and ex-wife Amber Heard. 
in the midst of the Me Too movement, uh, the optics weren't good, but J.K. Rowling stuck with the casting and defended it. And her statement regarding Johnny Depp on her personal blog as follows. The agreements have been put into place to protect the privacy of two people, referring to Heard and Depp, both of whom have expressed a desire to get on with their lives, must be respected. Based on our understanding of the circumstances, the filmmakers and I are not only comfortable sticking with our original casting, but genuinely happy to have Johnny playing a major character in the movies. I've loved writing the first two screenplays, and I can't wait for fans to see The Crimes of Grindelwald. I accept that there will be those who are not satisfied with our choice of actor in the title role. However, conscience isn't governable by committee. Within the fictional world and outside it, we all have to do what we believe to be the right thing. That was her statement. Just a little, you know, quick jump into Depp and Heard's kind of falling out um, and their divorce. They met while filming The Rum Diary in 2009 and got married in 2015. In 2016, Amber Heard filed for divorce, also filing a restraining order against Johnny Depp for domestic violence. Uh, later on, photos surfaced of her bruised face after Depp had thrown his phone at her and allegedly beat her. They released a joint statement after the divorce was finalized, although Heard has since come forth with further details of Depp's alleged abuse, and Johnny Depp still maintains to this day that he never abused her. Any thoughts on that from you guys? I think it's interesting. I think, obviously, in sort of the the climate that we're in now, we're much more aware of these types of, of situations, and obviously they're sensitive topics, but uh, topics that need to be discussed, and I think that the reason JK got such a backlash from it is because the entire first series of Harry Potter books were really based on um, emotional and physical abuse that Harry suffered and kind of how he grew up in that kind of environment. And so I think that people were especially concentrated on the fact that for someone who has not only dealt with that personally, but also had written about those kinds of abuses in books, she seemed to kind of turn a blind eye uh, when it came to Johnny Depp. Yeah, because wasn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, wasn't JK abused by her I, husband? I believe that's the background, yeah. being on welfare and having to fend for herself, hence why she created the Harry Potter universe. But, I mean, she's defending him. What more can you say to that? Yeah, and, you know, I'm not gonna take away anything from Johnny Depp, the actor. I think uh, his performance is fine, but it does really make you wanna take a second look and wonder, you know, with a, a wide range of talent out there, Johnny Depp essentially had what was, you know, what we consider a cameo in the first film. Yeah. You know, with such a wide range of talent out there for you to pick from, you know, why not just recast him? We've seen a lot of people get kicked off of projects, you know, Kevin Spacey off of uh, All the Money House in the cards. World. Yeah, right. House of Cards. We've seen, we've seen that happen. I just... You know, these are allegations, but at the same time, it might be enough to warrant a recasting. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially considering all the people we listed for Dumbledore, you know, they're, you know, could have been a number of people that would have been ready and willing to take the role of Grindelwald. There was more controversy uh, once the last trailer was released for The Crimes of Grindelwald regarding Nagini, the, the snake that we come to know in the Harry Potter series as Voldemort's sort of, you know, right hand person and the Murder. final, yeah, <laughs> and the final Horcrux. And so uh, when the trailer came out, we realized that Nagini is not just a snake, but is actually a person that is known as a 
uh, might be saying it wrong, maledictus, yeah, maledictus, Ma- uh, maledictus uh, that basically has a blood curse that that turns her permanently into a snake eventually. But we see her for the first time in a trailer, and the Twitterverse was kind of in an uproar about the casting of that character as well, being a woman of color, and then showing her, knowing that her destiny has become sort of subservient to uh, a white male, a.k.a. Voldemort. There was a lot of controversy surrounding that as well. So I don't know if you guys had thoughts about that. I I pulled it up, JK's response to it, but I wanted to kind of get your opinions first. Being a Asian female. (laughs) (laughs) In all honesty, I personally don't see anything wrong with uh, Asian female being casted as Nagini. And I get where people are coming from when they say, okay, she ends up being a servant for Voldemort, a white male. I honestly think that's a bit reaching. Who are you going to cast? A white person to play Nagini when she's clearly from, what, Indonesia? That's what JK says, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so now we're going to throw in a white female or white male or what have you and then make them seem like some sort of Asian descent. It just doesn't make sense to me. So for me, I don't see anything wrong with it. I get where people are coming from. I mean, I don't know your guys' opinion on it. but Yeah, I think this is, I think this is the direct opposite of what happened with Doctor Strange. So the Ancient One, um, yeah, Tilda Swinton played the Ancient One, who in the Marvel comics was uh, an Asian man. There was a lot of controversy surrounding casting her and essentially whitewashing the character or eliminating an Asian role. I'm not gonna pretend that I know the strife, you know, that Asians or Asian Americans, you know, or Asian peoples around the world go through. I'm not, you know, part of that culture and I don't know those things, but I do understand that there's there's two sides to this. If you cast Claudia Kim as Nagini, you're gonna get backlash as essentially perpetuating the Hollywood casting of Asians, particularly Asian women in subservient roles. Right. If you don't cast an Asian person as Nagini, you've eliminated a role that could have gone to an Asian person. Yeah. So, I, so I think there's definitely a double-edged sword to this. Right. I do appreciate the thoughtfulness that went into her casting, but I also do see, you know, why people are upset about it. And is it because she's a female? And like we mentioned earlier, well, prior to recording, but like she is an exotic Asian female that the white man has grown attracted to. And is basically taken as, you know, as a slave. Yeah. Essentially. and she's like a a, what, a sideshow piece essentially. She is a sideshow piece. In yeah. in, uh, in the Crimes of Grindelwald, absolutely she is. And I think a lot of the backlash also stems from the lack of diversity that we saw in the first Harry Potter series. Uh, there's Cho Chang. N- uh, okay, <laughs> there's one. You have one, uh, but. I think uh, people kind of accuse JK of creating these characters to only fulfill that politically correctness. To meet a quota, essentially. Exactly. Instead of creating them sort of holistically, I guess. Uh, What JK Rowling said on Twitter in response to all of this backlash is that the Naga are snake-like mythical creatures of Indonesian mythology, hence the name Nagini. They are sometimes depicted as winged, sometimes as half human and half snake. 
Indonesia comprises a few hundred ethnic groups, including Javanese and Chinese. Have a lovely day with a snake emoji. So uh, JK so, seems to be okay with some of the backlash. She seems to have done her research yeah. based on that tweet. And, you know, just knowing some of the background in the original Harry Potter series that JK did in from a research perspective, I do kind of buy into this reasoning here. Well, and the thing is, too, is like JK has researched everything. If you go on Pottermore or even like side pieces that she's written, every single character down to their names and what their names mean has been researched. Right. Like Remus Lupin, apparently Remus in ancient Rome means raised by wolves. Remus is a werewolf. werewolf. Perfect. Like, so she's done her research. Pretty sneaky. Yeah. (laughs) She's done her research on all of it. So I... Like I said, I don't know if this is wrong of me to say, but I think people are just kind of reaching to criticize something about this film. Well, and here's the thing. We don't know anything, right? We don't we we know what Nagini becomes. We don't know how she gets there. Mm. And so I think that there's a lot more pieces of the puzzle that need to be fit in before we can three movies (laughs) before we can make that decision. Yeah, this is you know, this is part two of five. So we have a long way to go. If it was a long way to go. Yeah, if it was a trilogy, I could understand the concern. And, you know, I understand it now, but I can understand the level of concern if there's one movie left and this was this person's, you know, only appearance as, as right. this character. But, you know, we got three more films to, to hopefully flesh out this and other characters, which we'll be getting into during this review. We need answers. Yes. <laughs> JK. <laughs> Hurry up. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our movie going experience with this movie. Erica, why don't you tell us about your experience with this film? Um, Me being a huge Harry Potter fan um, and looking back on my Fantastic Beasts Part 1 experience, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would go to midnight showings. For this one, I actually waited a week because I was afraid to go to the movie theater by myself during the holiday season. I mean, we did invite you. I know. And you just flaked on us. Yeah, we hit you with the invite, I was busy. I enjoyed it because it brought back like that nostalgia of the old Harry Potter films for me because it's the whole wizarding world. Other than that, it was just kind of like, huh, I need more answers. It was cool. Um, someone threw up. <laughs> uh, I think I think they are so touched by Lita Lestrange they threw up in a fit of a fit of joy. Apparently, I don't know, but um, it was cool. Like, I mean, we pretty much had the whole theater ourselves, so not really anyone was chatting I felt great watching the movie but like I said I still kind of felt meh there could have been more okay gotcha TJ you thought there could have been more Erica (laughs) there's three more More? oh my god well I mean like this is so much movie uh so so I I went uh Curran and I saw this movie together uh I think we went on Thursday when it opened yeah the night the Thursday the preview night yeah yeah so we went on Thursday night which is the first day that it was open uh and I just remember leaving the theater like, what did I just go through? What was that? What and of course, you know, happened? I'm always excited, which is why I went on the, you know, the very first day I could see it because I'm excited to kind of revisit this world that uh, J.K. Rowling has created for us. And obviously it brings back a lot of nostalgia, as Erica said. Um, so I'm always excited to get back into that world. But when I left, I was not really quite sure what to make of it. And as I said, it was a lot of movie. When I went the second time, I went over the weekend and kind of reconfirm what I thought I had seen the first time. I got a lot more out of it that second 
experience. I thought a lot of the things that I maybe missed in the first round, I was able to pick up on in that second round. And it made more sense to me and didn't seem like as much to digest. I probably because I was already, it was already half digested. digested. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it felt a lot better for me the second time around. I liked it better the second time around. Kerwin agreed. Yeah. Like TJ said, I, I saw it with him preview night Thursday. I also saw the movie yesterday with Erica. Um, so a couple days after or week after. Like TJ, I definitely liked the movie a lot more the second time. Uh, let me start by saying I don't have a lot of experience with the Harry Potter franchise. Shameful. Uh, shame. <laughs> like shame. I, I am not a fan. And now when I say I'm not a fan, I'm not saying I dislike Harry Potter. It's just it never hit me at the right time during my life to have affected me so much that I'm in love with the franchise. Like, you know, like Star Wars did or Spider-Man or something like that. You know, it never it ever reached me until it was what? It was too late. I you say Toby Maguire Spider-Man? No, I'm talking, I'm talking about like the car <laughs> the cartoon, the comics, stuff oh, like that. Right. I think I think you have to be I think something has to affect you at a particular time in your life for you to gravitate towards it. And while I do enjoy um, Harry Potter films, you know, I've probably read like a little bit of the first book, you know, as an attempt to try to get into it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Harry Potter's just never been my thing. But, I, you know, I am entertained by it. I do find the story and all that interesting. You know, it's just, you know, it's just not my thing. But yeah. I do enjoy it. I do think that, like, obviously Eric and I read the books and kind of grew with the series. And I think that that was the intention as the books kind of progress. So does the content, so does the writing level. Everything kind of grows with the reader. As the reader is growing up, so do the books. So if you don't hit it at, right the, at exactly the right time, I feel like you kind of miss that that mark. Yeah. You're, you're already grown, you're, so for yeah. you to go back to I was the age, age 11. of Harry Potter when I read the first Harry Potter book. I waited in line when I was in college for that last Deathly Hallows to come out. Oh yeah, yeah. I was at I was at Borders, R.I.P. Borders, by the way. Um, when poor on out for so, Borders. Yeah, when uh, Deathly <laughs> Hallows. Yeah, when Deathly Hallows, uh, the book came out. There was a line wrapped around the like uh, the interior of the mall, and I was just there to pick up like comic books. But I mean. There was a huge line, and that that was the first time I really saw how much people really love this franchise. Yeah, like I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I know what it's like to wait in line and all that other stuff. So I never really understood how large the Harry Potter following was until that book came out. Um, and and I think TJ, you hit on something very important. Uh, you as well, Erica. You know, like you kind of grow with the with the series. I never got into it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was a thing until maybe like the end of high school. I didn't realize that until maybe like the first movie came out. But I will say that the story has grown. It's definitely got, it definitely gets more mature from what I've seen Absolutely. from the, yeah. yeah, the last two films and as well as Fantastic Beasts. I really liked the first Fantastic Beasts film. I ended up seeing with a friend and I told her, I, I really like this film because I feel like I can connect to it at my age level, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, like I, you know, I, I felt like they were trying to tell a relatively more adult story. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely appreciated the first one. Uh, this one kind of walked out with the same questions. I kind of felt like it was um, overstuffed the first time I saw it. Overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. And that's kind of my experience with this movie. Trash and Treasure. It's time for Trash and Treasure. Oh, yes. Where we tell you <laughs> one, shit, thing shit. We, <laughs> one thing we love about the movie and a thing we hated. 
TJ, why don't you tell us uh, what your trash and treasure is for this film? I'll start with trash. I think, as I mentioned before, Corinne and I discussed this after we saw the movie the first time. I just think there's a lot of stuff plugged into this film. Uh, A lot of it seemed unnecessary. You know, I was reading an interview that David Yates did with someone when he was filming the Harry Potter films, and he said that at some point they just had to strip the books down to focus solely on Harry Potter's journey. And if it did not include Harry Potter or did not drive the plot forward, they stripped it away from the book into the screenplay version. And I thought that they could have used a little bit of that stripping down in this film. I got a lot more when I saw it the second time around, but I also felt like there were some sort of gratuitous parts of the film that not only didn't need to be in the film, but were really only there to cater to the Harry Potter fandom. They weren't really there to serve any purpose. I know we'll talk about it in just a little bit, but McGonagall being a professor at Hogwarts while Dumbledore is teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts. Defense Against the Dark Arts. (laughs) We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into it. But I mean, again, it's just, there's no real purpose for that unless you're just placating to the, you know, to the Harry Potter fandom, which is fine if that's what you want to do. Obviously, it's JK's world. She can do whatever she wants, but it just seemed like a little bit too many inconsistencies. And I think the Harry Potter fandom can forgive a lot. I mean, let's face it, there's plot holes in the Harry Potter universe as well mm-hmm. uh, in the in the seven books. There's plot holes all over the place, but you just kind of get to the understanding that, hey, it's magic and JK can do whatever she wants and it is what it is. But I think that we have a certain threshold for the amount of inconsistencies that we can that we can bear. My treasure, I think hands down is Zoe Kravitz. I think she did an amazing part playing Lita Lestrange. She did a great job. That is probably the most complex character in the film. Maybe Credence could be an example, uh, mm. an exception, but I think Lita, when she was conflicted, I was conflicted, and I thought that she was like a shining star in the film. And I remember walking out of the film, and of everything that had happened, I walked out thinking, "Oh, Lita is dead. Oh no!" You know, I, yeah. I felt really <laughs> bad that we weren't going to see her again. Although J.K. could bring her back, she brought Credence back, so who knows? She, she brought Harry back. Yeah, she brought Harry back. <laughs> yeah, so who knows? Who knew? <laughs> but um, I, I think she was a shining star in the film for me, and uh, like I said, she played her part really well, and I thought it was just a really great character that I I would have liked to see more of. Uh, Erica, how about you? I wish I could have a different trash and treasure, That's but I, I don't. We'll start with my trash. Being a super Harry Potter nerd, I noticed a lot of things, and I feel like that everything in Fantastic Beasts, like TJ said, was just, there was a lot of random stuff there that didn't need to be there. And being a huge Harry Potter nerd, I noticed that. Like, I don't know if people that, like, for you, Kern, I don't know if you, like, noticed it. The McGonagall, you didn't know. You asked me who Nicholas Flanell was. You asked no, I, me. No, I recognize, I, I knew who McGonagall well, was. Well, you knew who yeah, McGonagall yeah. was, but, like, you didn't, you don't know the timeline that, like, yeah. TJ and I knew. Um, so I feel like they just threw everything in and JK was just like, okay, here's McGonagall. Here is this. Here is that to attract the Harry Potter crowd. Hmm. But TJ pretty much took my trash from me and he did take my treasure yep. as well, but that's okay. Um, my treasure too was Lita Lestrange. Zoe Kravitz was phenomenal, I felt. Like TJ said, just to touch base on that, when she was conflicted, we were all conflicted. Like that whole scene of her losing her little brother, I felt that. That's that's shitty. Like her, her bogger was her little brother 
drowning. Yeah. Right. You know, so you could see even in young Lena Lestrange how that affected her. I have a second treasure based off of shallow opinions, but Theseus Scamander randomly being hot. Newt's brother. <laughs> Newt's brother. Newt's like, brother. who knew? I would win. <laughs> Newt's brother into those nerdy looking guys. But yeah, that's my trash and treasure. So my trash with the movie, uh, very similar to, to you guys. I mean, like I said before, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I did notice, you know, some things that I figured might have been Easter eggs. And I can't help but wonder if, and you know, I'm going to bring, you know, my Star Wars experience into this. I feel like the prequels to, to the Harry Potter series, uh, the movies, they rely too much on our love and nostalgia for the original series to hook us to the story being told as opposed to just telling us a good story. Creating a new story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like the first movie, I, I cared about Newt. I cared about Queenie. I cared about Jacob. I cared about Tina. I cared about our main four protagonists. I cared about them. And in this movie... You know, while I still care about them, and I and I think that's a phenomenal job she did for the first movie. You know, as an outsider, not being uh, wholly into the Harry Potter franchise, to actually give a damn about these characters. You know, she she hooked me. You know, I was down. I was down for Fantastic Beasts coming into this movie. I don't I don't necessarily feel that connection to those characters. You know, I care about them. I wonder what's happening to them. But let's just be honest. This story is not about them. No. Right. You're absolutely right. They're just caught in it. Yeah, they're caught in it. Newt is, you know, just happens to be asked by Dumbledore. There are reasons which are valid, you know, why Newt's specifically chosen to go investigate and find Credence, prevent his murder at the hands of Aurors, his capture at the hands of Grindelwald. And, you know, eventually we find out Yusuf Kama, Lita's half-brother, is also out for revenge against him, which I thought was great. And that goes into my treasure. But this movie, this movie really suffers because while in the first Fantastic Beasts, we as an audience were able to latch on to Newt Scamander as a protagonist and his crew being Queenie, Jacob and Tina in this movie, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure you need Newt Scamander to tell this story. I, I do love him as a character. I love what he brings to the table. But I feel like out of five films and moving forward, I'm I'm starting to wonder if he's being demoted to something of a side character mm. along with Tina, along with Queenie and Jacob. I feel like Queenie definitely got the most focus in this movie out of the original four. Yeah. And I almost feel like, what is Newt doing here? And, and I'm okay with him as a character, but I, I would really like for him to not necessarily be the focus of this, but I, I, I want I want him to be more relevant to the plot. Have a more active role. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that maybe he didn't have a more active role is because they tried to get the whole Grindelwald, Dumbledore storyline out there. Yeah, you have the Queenie storyline, yeah. you have Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I mean, there were a lot of storylines. There was a lot, a lot of storylines in this movie. Yeah. But still not enough questions. Yeah. And not enough answers for those questions. Right. Exactly. Regarding that, I felt Queenie's journey was way too abrupt. And mm-hmm. we didn't spend enough time with that. I understand that she wants to marry Jacob, and that's cool. I think this movie only takes place a couple months after the first Fantastic Yeah, it's very Beast. shortly after. Yeah, so it's just, you know, wanted to get married after spending so much time together. That's fine. Everybody has their own, you know, 
time for when they know they've met the one, which is fine. I really enjoyed their love story in the first yeah. one. That was one of my favorite parts. I, I thought it was kind of weird. Oh, I'm going to put my man under a spell and right. marry him. I love the fact when Jacob says, well, you're going to wake me up when we have five kids. Like, right. That was yeah. kind of creepy on her part, kidnapping him essentially. And then also just the irrationality of it. I know love makes you do irrational things, but Queenie's not an idiot. Right. Yeah. I, I thought it was very selfish and irresponsible of her to want to put her and her partner in danger. They almost got executed by Makusa last movie. I love that you remembered that. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but uh, before I, you know, talking to the mic, I make sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, if, if I'm wrong at any time, somebody let me know. But yeah, I, I just thought it was incredibly reckless of her. I understand Logically, it makes sense for her to join Grindelwald because he is seeking to create a world in which, you know, the magical community and the non-magical community can live freely. And he makes it a point to tell her, you know, you can love who you love, which is a great message to send. And it's a great way to recruit her. I feel she needed a bit more motivation than that. Something should have happened to Jacob to push her over the edge to join this guy that she knows is evil. I mean, he calls her crazy. He he, and he, he and if you call crazy. a girl crazy, but she's but she still does it for him, which is fine. But I think in the first movie, he had his memory erased. That's right. cool. You uh, know, maybe supposedly. maybe don't bring his memory back. Don't and like get me her, her anger, her anger at him having his memory. What is it called when they do that? Obliviate. Yeah, when he gets obliviated, that could have been enough to to drive her over the edge in this movie that he got obliviated and maybe he doesn't remember everything. If, you know, if the laws weren't like this, I wouldn't have to deal with the guy I want to be with not even knowing who I am anymore. Like, that would have been a lot better. She did go to his bakery, though, after. Yeah, at the very end. And I like that. You know, I like that. I just I just think, like, her arc needed a little more fleshing out or we need to spend right. more time with it. A lot yeah. of shit happens that's kind of random with her in this movie and we'll get to that, you know, you know, with the notes after. But my treasure for this movie, same as you guys, um, I love Zoe Kravitz in this movie. She did an amazing job. I think her storyline was the strongest as far as finding out who Credence was. I, I love the mystery with the prophecy and... Um, right. What was... I, they were talking about this book like two or three times. It was like the... Oh, it was their uh, family tree. Yeah. yeah. But there was a prophet. It's called the prophecy. Oh, oh the one prophecy. that returns. Um, one that... Uh, the, the son cruelly banished yeah. the daughter in mourning or something. I had it on one of my notes. The prophecy. I know we were we'll just about. call yeah, it the prophecy. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it the prophecy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't Not worry. to be confused with Professor Trelawney's prophecy of... Right. This is a new one. Voldemort and Harry. <laughs> yeah. So I felt that was the most interesting storyline of the movie. I loved how all the pieces came together. And, you know, it's a really it's a really sad tale. Like, I thought it was, it was very well done. And if it was up to me, I'd prefer that this movie be entirely about just finding out who Credence is with Lita Lestrange being the center of this movie and maybe having Newt be an auxiliary character. But, you know, once again, there's no main character in this movie, so there's nobody to really latch on to. So that's that's just my trash and treasure for this movie. Anybody have any notes about this movie oh my that they God, want to talk about? Don't get me started. All right, Erica, get it started. Who, okay, well, get me started. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the Twitter universe is not necessarily in an uproar, but Harry Potter nerds, the potheads... Um, nice. Nice. That's what they call themselves. It's kind of weird. Nice. Um, but the potheads didn't necessarily bash this movie, but a lot of them are pointing out the plot holes of Fantastic Beasts compared to the Harry Potter world. 
did JK stray from the original like canon of Harry Potter and then just start making her own thing about Fantastic Beasts. But I'll bring up one thing that TJ and I talked about earlier. Dumbledore never taught Defense Against the Dark Arts and in Fantastic Beasts, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, when um, the Ministry of Magic goes to Hogwarts, they interrupt his Defense Against the Dark Arts class. It is stated in Harry Potter books that um, Dumbledore, before he became the headmaster of Hogwarts, was actually a transfiguration teacher and never taught defense against, against the dark arts. That was taught by someone that has been a teacher for 50 plus years. And then McGonagall randomly showing up in this timeline when McGonagall wasn't even born until like 1937, I think it was, when he researched it, which is weird. Like now this brings back the whole, we're throwing in random characters, not random, because McGonagall was a main character, but we're throwing in characters to leash the Harry Potter nerds. Yeah, to kind of say, hey, you like this, don't you? And, and I will say, I mean, when, when uh, Dumbledore says McGonagall's name in the movie, the whole yeah. theater is like, <gasps> McGonagall. But then once you, <laughs> yeah, because we're excited to see McGonagall, but yeah. then you're like, afterwards, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because this movie takes place in 1927. Yeah, McGonagall yeah, is born in like 1930-something. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. On top of the fact that, as we talked about, Jacob was obliviated in the last film. Yes. And then we get to this film, and it's just kind of explained away as, uh, oh, that only erases bad memories when we've seen it in use prior to this. Gilderoy. Uh, Hermione's parents. parents. Uh, where it's actually does erase all of their memories. So again, to just kind of explain it away as so nonchalantly as they do, again, a little bit of a plot hole. Yeah. Can I just, can I just say, I am so glad you guys are here because <laughs> I never, <laughs> I never yeah, I never would have caught any of this stuff and well, I, I love it. I love hearing it, so. Well, no, and like TJ points out, like that's the thing. It's like Jacob sits there and tells a new in this movie oh, I was obliviated, but it only erases the bad memories. So like TJ brought up, Gilderoy and Hermione's parents. Gilderoy was obliviated by who? I forget. It doesn't really matter at this point, right? He was obliviated. I, I think he did it to himself. I think he probably did it to himself. And then Hermione obliviated her parents in the Deathly Hallows. So if the obliviate spell only erases, supposedly erases bad memories, wouldn't Hermione's parents remember giving birth to Hermione and having Hermione? Wouldn't... Gilderoy remember his actual accomplishments as an author and wizard as opposed to just completely not knowing himself and Hermione's parents not knowing who Hermione even was. Right. I mean, we see in the beginning of the, uh, I think it's the second to last film of the Harry Potter series uh, when Hermione obliviates her parents. Literally every photo of Hermione is erased. Yeah. Uh, in that household, it's almost as if she didn't exist. So for them to just kind of explain it away as, oh, well, it only erases bad memories. It's like, well, since when? Yeah, and I think it's just like, oh, I wrote myself into a corner. Let me make some shit up. You know what I was thinking when I saw it was, you know, we had this first film, and I don't know what the timeline of, you know, the film premiere, the the first film premiering of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and when J.K. wrote the the screenplay for this, The Crimes of Grindelwald, but it almost seems like, 
oh, people loved these characters in the first film. We have to get them into the second film. Yeah. Let's yeah. figure out how do we how do how do we make that happen? Even we leave the last film with Credence being dead and now he's alive and well again. No explanation whatsoever. Like I said, there's certain things that the Harry Potter fandom can forgive. There's certain things that we're willing to overlook. I'm even willing to get over like the obliviate thing. Like I can yeah, kind of yeah. brush through that. The Dumbledore teaching dark uh, defense against the dark arts. Maybe he was subbing for the day. Maybe the <laughs> professor was sick. Maybe the professor was out with a cold. Yeah, yeah. I, on vacation somewhere. I don't know. I can get over that. But the one thing that we cannot fix. Oh my God, what are you going to say? Is McGonagall being at that school at the same time oh. that, that Dumbledore is teaching. Yeah. about 30 years old. Yeah, she was time. at Being least like age. 32. Yeah. 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 Another thing that I want to bring up is I think Grindelwald is possibly a liar and this whole Aurelius Dumbledore thing oh of Credence I forgot about being, the biggest plot hole ever. Yeah, the biggest plot hole ever. I'm about to get really nerdy right now. Right, here we go. Um, so here we go. Um, I think Grindelwald is using Credence, Barebone, as a pawn in this whole battle with Dumbledore trying to maintain like world domination, whatever Grindelwald's trying to do. Here's why, gentlemen. Oh, oh shit, all right. <laughs> okay, so a little history lesson for the Dumbledore family and how Mr. Barebone falls in this. So Percival and Kendra Dumbledore, the happy couple, had three children named Albus, Aberforth, and Ariana. Little Ariana was assaulted by muggles in 1891. She was six years old. She's, yeah, she's like six. She was six years old. She was assaulted in 1891, and the reason why their father is put in Azkaban is because after this assault on Ariana, Percival Dumbledore assaulted the muggle children therefore putting him in Azkaban. Ariana no longer wanted to perform magic, which will bring me to a completely side, another side story, but we'll get to that later. She was afraid to perform magic. She suppressed it. And in 1899, killed her mother in a mysterious explosion, a magical explosion, which brings me to the point of Aurelius Dumbledore not being who he is supposed to be because TJ informed me earlier that Aurelius was apparently, or Credence Barebone was born in 1908 around that time. Uh, around that time. Around that Obviously time. we don't have an exact date. We don't have an exact date, date but yeah. that's but what we're saying. Percival was in prison, Kendra's dead, and there's only three children. So how is it possible that this Aurelius Dumbledore was born in 1908, unless Percival is just boinking someone in Azkaban and out pops Aurelius. Well, maybe. Which is possible. It, which is possible. There's maybe. also, okay, Percival sorry. could have a brother, maybe. Mm, true. Although, uh, Grindelwald does tell Credence that his brother is trying to destroy which them. Which is the, Yeah, the, the, you know, the logical conclusion that the viewer draws is that that is Albus. But again, I, he could just be a liar. You he know, he's a, a master liar. manipulator. He could. Uh, we referenced that in the beginning of the film at the American Congress of Magic. Uh, it's referenced. Yeah, where <laughs> she references that he, you know, he has a really quick tongue and they had to remove it yeah. because he was able to uh, convince people, you know, he's just a smooth talker. He was a smooth talker. He was so smooth, he even convinced Albus at one point to somewhat join him and this is how Ariana died Right, was because Grindelwald whatever relationship he had with Albus Albus was almost a follower of Grindelwald and Aberforth stepped in and was like dude you're crazy you can't join this guy like he's up to no good and it sparked a three way duel and it is said that 
Grindelwald cast the killing curse and it missed whoever he was aiming for and hit Ariana. Ooh. And that's how she died. And that is why Dumbledore has a vendetta against Grindelwald. But he can't do anything because of this blood pact that he had apparently made with Mm. Grindelwald. And let's not forget, the reason that Grindelwald even wants Credence is because he knows that Credence is a is a huge weapon against Dumbledore. Yeah. That that Grindelwald is is, I guess, worried that he can't defeat Dumbledore on his own. So he needs Credence on his side as sort of this Somebody weapon. Just as powerful kind of Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you want Credence to hate Dumbledore. And there's, you know, a few ways that you can accomplish that if you're Grindelwald. Number one is uh telling him that Dumbledore is trying to destroy him, but then also giving Credence what he's been looking for for the entire film, which is, who am I? Who do I belong to? Giving him that sort of, uh, that little spark of like, hey, you're a Dumbledore. Not only are you a Dumbledore, by the way, but they're trying to destroy you. They don't want you. Um, I mean, what better way to turn Credence against that whole side of the wizarding world? That's a great motivator, yeah. I don't know a lot, but I do have some... uh, things I notice about the film. Okay, we'll try and we'll try and help you out here. All right. So, it's not necessarily like Harry Potter stuff, but there um we talked about this uh in pre-production TJ, like the close-up face shots at the beginning and yes. middle of the film. So, at the very beginning when Lita meets up with Newt at the the Ministry of Magic. Ministry of Magic. Magic. Thank you. The, we got you. The mom, the MOM. Yes. <laughs> when they meet up, the there there's some really uh <laughs> up close shots of their faces really awkward yeah and the first time i saw it i was like oh this is weird i hope the whole movie's not like this and it wasn't thank goodness second time i watched it i felt like they were trying to definitely convey the level of awkward intimacy that these two have uh, if you've watched the movies you know that lita is engaged to theseus theseus, theseus. newt's brother newt's brother and i guess they had some sort of a relationship back when they were in hogwarts when they were younger right well and you also see in the first film that newt carries a picture of lita Lita in his briefcase or yeah. in his you know his case of monsters which is also kind of playing to the fact that there's some sort of relationship there mm. prior to her relationship with Theseus the yeah. brother wanting the other brother's wife <laughs> yeah it's like that movie brothers that scandal yeah it's the scandal the drama they do these up close facial shots again uh in the flashback yeah where, uh back we, at Hogwarts yeah back at Hogwarts which where, I liked yeah, which I, I appreciate that. You know, like we said, that was the most interesting storyline of the movie for all three of us. If anybody wants to, you know, disagree with that, get your own show. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish it came full circle at the very end where Lita died, where Grindelwald essentially killed her. I wish they had a one more up close face scene like that. Right. To to kind of bring that arc to an end. You know, at the beginning they meet again. It's super awkward. They have the flashback, you know, where you get to view their intimacy through the lens of the camera and I wish at the very end they had that they did kind of have a moment where she's looking towards both brothers and she says I love you but we know she's talking to Newt I she mean, is in she the is. movie it's very unclear yeah but we want her we, to be talking to Newt we know yeah we know that's right. we matters. know how yeah. she felt also you know something I noticed from the first Fantastic Beast films what is up with people being in the middle of the street oh, for no reason oh my god <laughs> being in the middle of the fucking street for like like Grindelwald shows up in France walking in the middle of the street in the street New and Jacob show up in Paris in the street in the street (laughs) the Chinese beast at the circus goes crazy and then it's Yusuf and Tina 
in the street. In the street. When Newt has to catch the Chinese beast, <laughs> they go from being in the underwater sewer system to in the street. In the street. What about that uh, pile of shit? In the street. <laughs> yeah, like Newt is at one point crossing the street and crossing the street and there's a big pile of a horse shit Behind just a carriage. in the middle of the street. But no, no, no. Sorry to cut you off on that. Go but ahead. like seriously, like if that was me and I was me and Kerwin had this discussion last night. They want that what's what'd you call it? The center The dramatic yes, shot the of dramatic yes, shot in the center of the street. <laughs> street but like in the city and I, asked, it. I even asked current i was like were there cars back then and he goes well there were some cars but it was also mostly horses and carriages and i'm thinking okay if i'm in my car in the 1920s or, your carriage. or my carriage i'm like what is it called scribing and driving scribing and driving, driving on my driving. on my parchment um I'd be pissed if I'm like, dude, well, move. You're in the street. Get out of the so way. To be fair, to, uh, playing devil's advocate here, I mean, the world wasn't as highly populated as it is now. Very few people in, in, the, in the 20s <laughs> probably had horses and carriages. There's probably not like rush hour traffic. So Plus, there is probably a lot of space in I the mean, street. <laughs> in the street. In the street. <laughs> Plus, I mean, like, I mean, like, it's just like. It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do something for the camera. Hold on, everybody, can you please get out of the street? I gotta, right, no car. I gotta no, fight this animal one on one in the middle of the street. Yeah, like <laughs> no one was there. Like where are all these they just citizens? Vanished. Yeah, the citizens are gone. Can we talk about how it fucking rains randomly? Well, they're in London. All- oh no, they're in Paris. They're in London Paris. London town. Yo, but like even in the first movie, it just in New rains. York. It rains in New York, girl. No, I, I get it, but it's just like it just. Rain. It goes from being sunny June. with a high of seventy-five yeah, it's June to April immediately. Yeah. Now a slight drizzle yeah. coming into. There's no yeah. There's no drizzle. It's either like it's all for dramatic. It's either effect. soaking wet or it's dry okay, as fuck. You brought up the whole rain situation. Can we just discuss Queenie in perfectly nice weather in the second movie, and then all of a sudden it's pouring rain. She's like Jacob. Rain. Yeah. And then she, <laughs> and she sits on the curb. Rain. In the, in the rain. rain. Like, I But at least she myself, was on the curb and not in the middle of the street. Well, <laughs> she moved. True, she moved. True. She moved. One more criticism I do have is, you know, this series is called Fantastic Beasts. And I definitely feel like the beasts were noticeably Fantastic. absent oh. or not as relevant to the plot. Oh, you thought so? Yeah. Uh, not movie. relevant, I agree with. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of felt like, you know, Fantastic Beasts, because Newt is, you know, the Fantastic Beasts guy in the Magizoologist. first movie. Magizoologist. Yeah, the Magizoologist. And in this movie, I kind of felt like they weren't relevant to the overall plot at all. I mean, we had the Phoenix. We still had the Obscurus. That is true. So We had the Kelp monster. Yeah, we. we <laughs> the I mean, Kelp monsters yeah, have no plot purpose. The yeah, no plot purpose no at plot purpose. all. I felt like we went down there. Can we talk about how horny his assistant was for oh, him? Oh, yeah. She, I mean, he's Newt's commander. Newt's commander put Hufflepuff on the map, my friend. Again, another like secondary character that was not really necessary. Yeah. But I don't know the name of the monster, but it was like the ribbon monster. The Chinese one? Yes. I he love says, that one. Oh, I thought yeah, it was yeah. beautifully that, done. Like, yeah. That one played a little bit of a role. Yeah, that was cool. But I feel like that ribbon monster, the Chinese one with the whatever it was, the shaking of the kitty yeah, thing. Yeah, a little kitty toy. He almost played a role like the dragon did when they escaped from Gringotts Bank. Oh, yeah. I think that's... Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, c- I, I feel like that, that was the only role that Animal played was okay. to escape from... It's new Pokemon every episode. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. I choose you, ribbon you, monster. Yeah. <laughs> you do raise a good point, though, in the fact that from a franchise that was, that was started on sort of, you know, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, we are very quickly moving away from that and into a, a deeper story of Grindelwald and the fight that is coming. Maybe 
moving forward, don't call these Fantastic Beasts movies. Like maybe the first one should have been called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and the second one should have just been called The Crimes, the Crimes of, Grindelwald. of Grindelwald. Well, I think they only throw that in there to show audience members who don't know mm. that it's the same because I know that they did the same with uh, the Twilight series, which I, I never saw any of those movies, but if you notice, Twilight. they all said the Twilight saga oh, yeah, like yeah. at the beginning of them. I never saw me there. Um, okay, and I think like that was brand to kind awareness, of, yes, brand for brand awareness purposes, even though each book had called something. called The Wizarding World, colon, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. The Wizarding Maybe. World, colon, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I mean, I like Fantastic Beasts, I think. Yeah, I'm glad it was yeah. not called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. <laughs> the hookah well, of Grindelwald. Yeah. I think the hookah. Yeah, the hookah. Gam Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he loves his hookah. I think the whole reason why it was still the whole Fantastic Beasts franchise is because Newt Scamander is famous for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So I think maybe they just continue to keep that to tie it in with okay. that whole thing. Yeah. But um, I just want to bring something up really quick before yeah. I What's forget. That? Go ahead. Because... Um, we touched base on Ariana Dumbledore and Obscurials as Fantastic Beasts, I guess we would yeah. call them that. Who here raised your hands, but you can't see us because they're not being recorded. Yeah, this is audio only. <laughs> Who here thinks that Ariana Dumbledore was also an Obscurial? I, so I didn't think this at first. And they then said doing, she was, didn't they, in the movie? No, no, they didn't. Oh. In fact, the Obscurial, the first time that we're ever introduced to it is in the last uh, Fantastic Beast film, the first film. That's yeah. the first time that, that that word is ever introduced to us and defined for us as, you know, this, this magical being that had to suppress magic in an effort to hide yeah. their talents. And then it sort of, ma- that magic manifests in sort of this dark magic yeah. that kind of consumes them. And so so I didn't think that at the very beginning, but since I've been doing research and in having conversations, you know, prior to recording, I definitely feel like it's a possibility. I think J.K. Rowling kept it so open-ended in the Harry Potter series that it could be, you know, all we're told is that whatever those boys did to her, yeah. she never performed magic again. Yeah. And she couldn't get rid of it, but she, she never performed it. Yeah. And that she accidentally killed her mother in an explosion, which could be sort of an obscure explosion. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is definitely a possibility. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Obscurely. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So does anybody have uh, any more notes before we jump into our final review? I would just say if you have seen this film, I would recommend seeing it a second time, especially if you're a fan of the Harry Potter films. Don't write it off too soon. Seeing it the second time was the difference maker for me. Same. Uh, and so I know when you first watch it, you're you're going to leave with a lot of questions. You're going to say to yourself, well, there's so many things that don't make sense. Watch it again. You'll be better for it. Okay. I agree. I agree. I mean, I only saw it once because I watched it late, um, but I will be watching this movie again. So now let's get into our reviews, our scores. We're gonna tell you how much we would pay to watch Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. TJ, how much would you pay to watch this movie? All right, so I went back and forth on this one. Obviously, we've talked about uh, you know it being a lot of movie. There's a lot of unnecessary things that don't really need to be included, plus the plot holes. Some that I can get over, some that I cannot get over. But after going back and forth, and especially after seeing it the second time, really confirmed my my belief that I would pay fifteen dollars for this. I I don't think it's it's not my favorite Wizarding movie. Yeah. Um, I have other favorites, but I give it the benefit of the doubt because I think we are being set up 
four, three, four, and five. Mm, And I think that this movie was sort of that necessary step and we had to cram so much because there's so much more coming. So I want to give JK the, the benefit of the doubt and say that she knows what she's doing. Again, as I said earlier in the in the podcast, I just love revisiting this world. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this universe that she's created. I enjoy the nostalgia that it brings from the original Harry Potter films. That alone makes me happy just to be in the film, yeah. regardless of how awful or, or wonderful it is. But I would pay a solid 15 for this. Okay, cool. Erica, how much would you pay? Um, I, like TJ, went back and forth this because, like I said, being a Harry Potter nerd, there was a lot of plot holes and a lot of questions that didn't have answers. But I would also pay $15 for this. Um, I mean, I did, and I'm going to again. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would pay the $15, like TJ said, because... I thoroughly enjoy the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Scamander, all of that. It brings back the nostalgia that I felt when I was younger. Like TJ said, we're going to give JK the benefit of the doubt because I do agree. I think that even though there was a lot of open-ended questions and what's it called, a lot of plot holes, I think that oddly enough, it's setting us up for the rest of the film. I don't think it was a bad movie, but I don't think it was excellent like it was Mm. no prisoner of azkaban that's for sure right (laughs) yeah absolutely i would totally pay 15 dollars for this movie again before anybody you know casts a spell on me and gets pissed (laughs) off whatever the killing the spell is um (laughs) i i'm not gonna judge this movie um based on you know my attachment to this series and i'm not saying you guys are of course yeah you know we kind of you guys brought yeah (laughs) I, i wanted to come uh disclaimer i wanted to come in my quidditch costume but tj was like you know they're not being you're not being filmed, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not video. Not, <laughs> not yet, not yet. You know, looking back, I thoroughly enjoyed the first Fantastic Beast movie, and I give that a 15 as a newcomer. Um, coming into this movie, I feel like I was kind of underwhelmed, and I felt like it was a bit sloppy in terms of what we wanted to tell. I think for the amount of content that's in this movie, I think J.K. Rowling and David Yates did a great job of fitting multiple plots in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there needed to be a little more focus. I don't want to be too I don't want to be overly critical because I know we have three more movies and you know whatever things I feel aren't completely explained, we'll probably we'll get to that in the next three films right. by the time this series is wrapped up. But I don't know if I like this film as much as the first. The first one I would give a 15 and I don't think I can give this one a 15. I'd pay $10 to watch this movie. It's not a bad movie. Like I, I right. liked it a lot, but I, I feel like you know its weaknesses definitely outweigh you know the strengths. Right. In some in some areas. But. And it's, you know especially as someone who's not as attached to this world, I can understand that. Like yeah. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So I'm totally looking at this from just a movie perspective. Like I'm not a huge fan of the series, but I, I do enjoy it, and I have enjoyed the last two movies. So hopefully the next one will kind of pick up and decide what it wants to do. I I want more Newt. I want more Tina. Right. I want more Queenie. I want more Jacob. You know, I want more. I want all of it. I, I yeah, want more Jacob. Jacob's want, so cute. Yeah, now that we've kind of wrapped up the Lita storyline, which I thought was the best part of this movie, right. maybe we can finally put some more focus onto Credence, yeah, Grindelwald, let's figure out who he is. Yeah, let's, let's figure out these essential characters. Let's determine who essential characters are and carry on with that. Right. And I think and I think this this franchise will be okay. So I'm giving it a 10. TJ, you gave it 15. Erica, you're paying 15. Yep. All right, so we're paying $13. Woo! 
and 33 cents to see Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, $13.33. I got to wash my back because I feel like the Harry Potter mafia is looking at me. I mean, don't turn your back <laughs> to a wizard with a wand. Right, yeah. Well, protect me, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Obliviate. Yeah, we'll just yeah. make them forget that yeah, you did only, all this. Only the bad memories. Only the bad yeah. memories. So they'll remember how good you were, but they won't remember the bad things yeah, you they said won't about Harry Potter. The bad stuff. If you guys want to say anything before we leave, sign off. No, I mean, just thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anytime you need to talk about Harry Potter, if you have any Star more Wars, questions, Harry Potter, Jurassic let us know. Park. Oh, yeah. We're we'll, here for we'll you. We'll bring you back. Yeah, right. definitely. So uh, thanks, guys, for coming. And uh, yeah, that's it. Hufflepuff. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening.